This is Arthur here from Music Collective Yeti Out. This time I'm back with my boy Tedman from Private Label for another session of Joyce's podcast series. And as usual, we're broadcasting out of Hong Kong. This is Tedman. This time we're going to be chopping it up with the resident DJs of Min Club, our city's forward-thinking dance club. Min has been pushing the boundaries to electronic music with international bookings as well as a handful of local showcases. Established as a safe space for all, each club night connects different creative communities together through music. Yeah, that's true, man. I mean, after all, all the best friends are made after 9pm, right? I remember meeting Jimmy from Min Club way back eight years ago from one of my disco nights. And I saw him wearing a t-shirt that was referenced to the 80s nightclub, Canton. And we started talking and that's how we became friends. I guess t-shirts are always a great conversation starter, especially when you see people wear band tees or music merch. With that said, let's get to it. Okay, so welcome to episode... Should we talk about that? <laughs> Editing already. <laughs> Damn, first line. Good start. Good Gone. Start. Can't bring Tem in anywhere. Why don't you guys each introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Jamie. Hi, I'm Mr. Ho. I am Jason. And you guys all um, hold residencies at Min Club. I guess for those who don't really know, why don't you maybe share with the listeners what this venue is to you guys? Uh, maybe I'll start first. It goes back to about two plus years ago. There was a group of people who really want to do something because there is a lack of good venues in Hong Kong, proper venues in a central location with good music and good uh, curation of DJs. So there was a lot of inspirations from over the years, I think, from the days of Triple X, another place called Akadana. They got all the inspiration, pick up the problems, solved it and uh, found a really good space, really good sound system, get a really, really good marketing team also about thinking about the name. It's a really cool name. All in all, to put it simply, it's a space for people to be free. It was one like two years ago, I was invited to be one of the resident DJs and I was really happy to be with them. And if you guys haven't been there, just go. (laughs) Feel free to be free. That's the tagline. Safe space. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's pretty much. It's like I was uh, DJing at the residence night last Saturday. And I noticed it's just, you know, we're all freaks, you know, and we like this freaky kind of music. And you go there and whether you're behind the turntables or on the dance floor, it's just like, I'm not putting it on a show or anything. It's just like, literally, I'm just playing music that I like. I hope the people who go there will like. And there is a sort of atmosphere, like, especially in these times when you can't really travel and go anywhere. I guess I had a revelation. It's just like, oh, wow. You know, I got reminded this is what it means to be a resident of a club. It's like a place where you go and you do feel comfortable just to escape your daily problems or whatever for a few hours and have fun, be yourself. Yeah, so I think I met the mean guys and then I started this party called Entropy, which is a techno party. And it's not that Hong Kong doesn't have really good clubs. It's just the Min club format is completely different from what's been going around for the pre-Min era, which is before 2018. It was really good to find these guys who appreciate club music for what it is and what club night it should be about. It should be about music. And they have a really good club management policy in terms of what patrons should do or should not do. Yes, we're there to have good times. But I think in the other side of the city, some of the parties, it's about how much you spend. The more you spend, the more you can get away with. 
kind of attitude, which is okay. I mean, it satisfies a different type of needs. But I feel like it's really fortunate to find these guys who give us the voice to play different kind of music. And I feel like Hong Kong is an international city. We feel like the city is missing out this very important heritage of electronic music. The kind of music that should be played in the club and how people should have fun without judgment of where you are, where you're from, what you do in your daily life. And it's great. For sure, for sure. I think this is something that me and Arthur talk about all the time. Over the past few years, I feel like Hong Kong never really had like a regular club that we could go to week in, week out. And you go in and you don't have to worry about, oh, this is going to be like an off night where the music is not good or anything like that. Like we had XXX, but ever since XXX closed, it's sort of lacking that energy. So maybe I kind of want to see what you guys think about how important it is to have a club in a place like Hong Kong where we could just go in every weekend and, you know, have a good time. Because we sort of never really had that, I feel like. I think Hong Kong, it's a very tricky place. Yeah. The rent is really high. Everybody is hustling. You know, the living space is really small. We all try to make money so that we can enjoy the city that we are born and grew up in. So it, it makes taking the risk of running an alternative space really difficult for the main guys. Yeah. And yeah, it's really cool to see that they've put their efforts and their resources into this baby so that a different side of the electronic scene and club culture could be represented properly in international city like Hong Kong. For sure, for sure. And I have to add that they're really lucky that they found a really loyal following, yeah. which yeah. I never had the uh, courage to dream about. I was always thinking that in Hong Kong, people are like so segregated as far as the club scene is concerned. People just uh, into their own little space of music. And usually when I used to run parties, I was really scared when things I play with so niche that nobody is going to come. Once this space is created, the people just came along. And you see all these people who are really very fans of me. So yeah. I'm really, really happy that finally there's kind of a small culture going on in Hong Kong. I think it's definitely gotten better over the past few years. I still remember like maybe six, seven years ago when we throw a party, we still have that worry that no one's going to show up. But I think now like we're definitely more confident that if we put together a party, like we put together last minute parties all the time and we don't really worry about the fact that no one's going to show up. I think it's definitely grown like that. It's interesting, right? Because when you throw parties in Europe or whatnot, there's already a lot of promoters that you're sort of competing with. And there's a lot of people who are into alternative music or different variations of music. But I always say that cutting your teeth as a promoter in Hong Kong is actually a really important part of the journey because if no one comes to your parties, then it's just a bunch of friends enjoying a radio show. You know what I mean? It's just a cozy setup. Whereas a lot of people come, then everyone's having fun. But I never really get disappointed anymore if people don't come to my parties. And sometimes they don't, you know, like I think after doing it for like 10 years, I still worry that, hey, is anyone even going to come? But I sort of let go of that feeling now because it's like, if you're not expecting a grand turnout, then hey, at least you and your five guestless friends are just jamming. Either way, you got to do the party because if you don't do the party, there's no party. You know what I mean? So that, that's sort of like the mantra that I sort of go by now, right? It's not really so much about having to make sure that the place is packed. And obviously it's a reward when it is, but if it's not, it's still a vibe because it makes you happy, right? I know you guys all have your own styles and have your own residencies and club nights. Maybe you can speak a bit about like how you guys all got together and became mates, you know? Because I, I know you guys 
do hang out and are friends, right? <laughs> or, or not? <laughs> <laughs> nah, we're not. He was thinking. He was thinking. <laughs> he was like, he was like, I don't know these guys. <laughs> I say this in a nice way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see. I, I mean, Jason, I think I met you at Potato Head. Yeah, we, yeah. we met through Johnny from yeah. Potato Head. Yeah. He was running a really awesome uh, music room. Yeah, shout mm. out to Johnny. Shout out to Johnny. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy, I think I met at Akadana. Exactly. Yeah. Other yeah. venues. Other the venues. venues. Yeah. Exactly. Just going out. Through Kenny. Through Kenny. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Shout Big out to K-Man. I met Jimmy at a Sofa Club. I remember. Right. That's right. Yeah. Basically, every meeting happens after sun goes down, right? So and that's why friends are made. Exactly. You know, I all my close friends of the past like five six years are all met at clubs. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I exactly. think that's interesting. I remember meeting. Jimmy way back. That's around where I met you as well. We met at that Japanese restaurant and then like the week after I started doing that disco night mm. and that's when he came. Uh, bar, bar City. Bar City. In bar Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. yeah. Which is gone now. But I remember just seeing Jimmy dancing and I was like, ah, this is pretty awesome, right? And then he came and talked to me. I remember you had a Canton shirt on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's funny how you can always strike up a conversation based on what t-shirt or band shirt that person is wearing. Yeah, that's, you know? that's really that's universal. Important. That's really yeah. important. Yeah. And then I think two years after that, that's when I was doing the third disco night and that's when I got Michael to that's DJ. Right. Oh really? Yeah, I heard some of the tracks that he was putting mm-hmm. online and then at that time he was remixing a lot of canto pop yeah, stuff from right. the 80s. Yeah. What, what year was this? 2017 maybe? Yeah, yeah something, so. Something yeah. like that. You were abroad. So you must have just come back. Yeah. yeah. Um, 2016, I came back. One of the first parties I played was uh, Tetman's party. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. What, what venue was that at? It was, was in someplace in Yeah, LKF. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that was a weird venue actually. And then I remember the elevator was like jam-packed. And then he had messaged me <laughs> saying that the lift was like stuck. And then there's like 50 people trying to go up there. So he was like… I'm gonna I think I went to the, the lift lobby and… and I, <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people actually I, yeah. like didn't make it past the lift. Really? Because like it was so many people trying to get up there. Right. So That's the sign of a good party. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Let's talk about the sounds of Hong Kong because I know both of you guys are really into the older sounds of Hong Kong, like the disco era. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm qualified to say that I'm the oldest. I grew up, <laughs> I was born in the late 60s. I grew up in the early 70s. So disco was booming. I saw it firsthand. I was like eight years old. It was like the Beatles or rock and roll to a lot of people. Disco to me was like that. And I just couldn't get away from it. I started going to discos when I was traveling to the Philippines with my mother. Mm. Yeah, I just loved it so much when it died and then it was just in my blood. And then I kind of left it behind me until house music became back and I really got into house music. And then it starts to die down and until like 2012 or something. And I went to Japan and had a revelation and I came back to look into all this disco stuff. I think for me, Hong Kong, really, the the golden era is like everybody says, the 70s and the 80s. And I shouldn't really criticize about the current music. I think there's a lot of good music. It's just that it's hard to get it to the public. But I think in the recent years, there's a lot of good stuff. But uh, when I play out, I will try to go into my roots and play the disco stuff that I knew of. Yeah. So basically, I started, um, you know, getting into collecting music from Hong Kong. You know, when I came back up, yeah, four years ago. Previously, that I was in Berlin. And, you know, for me, it was like moving kind of to a new city. I'd been 
living in Europe for over 10 years. As a DJ and record collector, one of the things you do is go to record shops. I would go to a lot of secondhand shops, those ones, you know, all over, but mainly Shampshopo. Rather than buying online, when you go to a physical store, it makes sense that the music that they're going to have is from the area. So, of course, I knew quite a few of the names, uh, especially the most more popular ones when I was growing up. But then, you know, I just started spending time listening to a whole bunch of stuff. I was looking for, you know, mainly 80s stuff. It's just the sound aesthetic that I like. I guess subconsciously, in a way, trying to understand the musical history of the city that I'm from, that I'd left for so long. Yeah, that's really how I got into it. And then also another interesting thing is like, if you collect records, there's a website called Discogs. I guess it's kind of like the stock exchange of records. The pricing of record, there's a general price. But in Hong Kong, a lot of the records, they don't go by that. So it's also quite interesting to see what value means, right? Like, why is this Leslie Cheung record $2,000? Whereas to a guy or girl in California, it's worth, you know, very nothing. I was used to operating this homogenized value. Or like Shumshopo is just like ground zero. Like you can see a Wu-Tang 36 chamber yeah. record and yeah. it's like exactly. 10 bucks. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. something it's that's like one US to, dollar. Yeah. To yeah. you and me. What's the phrase? One man's trash is another man's it's treasure. treasure. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, Italo disco heaven for a lot of people. Right. Exactly. If you can find it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you get to learn like, oh, so why are there all these like Italo disco records in Hong Kong? Mm. And you know, as sure as Jimmy knows, it is because that was what was played in the discos back mm. then. And yeah. so you kind of build a better picture of how we came to this point musically as a city. Obviously, we're talking about like digging and looking for rare records here. And that's sort of like one way of connecting with music. But at the same time, your own club nights, like a Mr. Ho residency, mm. does dabble in canto disco. But it's not all night canto disco, right? It sort of shows the bandwidth of your other taste. Yeah. You know, the nice thing about having a residency is that you hope that the people who come to the nights, they kind of develop with you. Mm. I think for most people, when you collect things, you you have phases. Mm. Or at least I do. I, I'm not just going to just collect Canto. So yeah, I would showcase that into my sets, you know, which yeah. is just a reflection of what I like. I'm a bit different when I throw parties. I really want to focus on something, mm, okay. on a theme. Mm. so that I can work on it and I can keep my mind on it before playing. Mm. Maybe it's because in those days, I was really poorly organized in my collection. So I really have to take stuff and then put it into the upcoming set in order to be able to, to satisfy myself at least. Mm. And I think with Entropy as well, you guys play a broad spectrum of techno from like IDM to more contemporary stuff. And is it a similar sort of preparation for you guys? And do you sort of just go in with a certain theme in mind or is it more just, hey, I'm going to freestyle? Yeah, there's definitely a theme with Entropy Night. I think the thing with the general techno scene in the more broad sense is techno that is a bit more upbeat and happy, which is cool. But I think what we want to present at Entropy Night is a more moody and kind of like film noir style of techno. Of course, people want to have a good time when they're on a night out. They want to hear happy melodies, very uplifting sound. But I think the darker sound is also a part of the art of sound or like the art in general. It's like why you go to see an opera, a sad story, or or like you go to see a horror movie. It's the same kind of presentations. And that's what we want to focus on at Entropy. Because I think before we do Entropy, there was a bit of a purist sense with what techno should be about in the city. So we want to present a different attitude and sound. Which is so strange, right? When I think about it, like who decided, oh, this is what Hong Kong style of techno should be. 
this is what Hong Kong style of whatever yeah. should yeah. be. Like, yeah. who, who put out that memo? Like, Do you think there's often a, I wouldn't say misunderstanding, but there's often like thought that like techno is very protected and quite a cliquey unit of listeners. Would you say that's true at all? Protected? You mean in, like… In protective of a certain sound. Like if you play techno night, it must be following the rules of certain techno styles. It can't really vary from a certain genre. I see where you're coming from. I think it does make sense in a way when you kind of put it in a framework. You know, when you make art, it's okay to have some limitations. But I think, you know, I'm the youngest here. I'm like under 30. So I think… <laughs> Damn, I feel old Damn. now. <laughs> that hurt. Damn. That was, that was bullets, out of here. Bullets flying everywhere. So I think, I, I think when I was growing up, it was a bit hard. I had the chance to see some really great parties in New York, in Paris, and, and also Japan. And when I came back to the city, I think there was like those expectations. And I felt like back then I didn't have a voice. I kind of struggled a bit like, is it okay if I do something else mm-hmm. from what I've seen elsewhere? Mm-hmm. But then if I do something else that I've seen elsewhere, is it still Hong Kong? It is though, right? Because like if you look at Japan or the other cities, we all take a certain way of technique of doing arts, right? And then you bring it to the city here. So I think that's what I want to do with the party here. I think that brings us to a great point actually. Because we always talk about this as well. We, we talk about we, a lot of things. Well, we do talk about a lot of things. <laughs> Smoking area. <laughs> One thing that we always talk about is uh, we always travel. I'm sure we all do. We kind of experience what we see in other places, other cities, other clubs, and try to bring it to Hong Kong. That's one thing that I think it's great about Min. Every time I go there, I think right now over the past couple of years, there's a huge community that you guys have gathered. Whether it's doing all different nights, they still tend to come. Like you could be doing like a canto pop night and then they would come and just experience it. And I think that's the sense of… Openness that I feel like Hong Kong never really had as much before this. And I think this is something that I've noticed over the past couple of years. Like club goers, they would just go and not really worry too much about what's going on. And then they just want to go and experience whatever the DJ is going to bring. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, you know, someone who was away from Hong Kong so long, I, I can definitely say these four years of being in Hong Kong and playing in Hong Kong, I've developed a style that was different to when I was living in Europe, in Germany. Because it's like, when I think about it, to me, all the most interesting music are regional takes of certain established genres. It's like, you know, disco from Brazil, you know, rap from Memphis or something like that. You know, the music is for people. You're not making it just for, I don't know, thin air. And I would even go so far as to say, like, being in my city and playing for people in this city is like, the people have helped me develop a certain style and, you know, just sharing the moments together. I definitely feel like I got a Hong Kong style now. Do, how, how, do you, <laughs> how do you think that differs from your sets in Europe? Well, okay. One thing I can say is, is like when I was living, particularly in Berlin, where, you know, for the like six years I lived there, I didn't know any doctors or lawyers. Everyone I knew was like a DJ slash graphic designer slash label. Construction worker. <laughs> Who's yeah. a bartender. Who's a bartender. But also has yeah. a plantation. Or, yeah. Of some sort. Yeah, yeah. Gardener of some yeah. sort. Yeah. Gardener. Let's good, say that. Good little bracket. Yeah. yeah. Chemist. Chemist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chemist. <laughs> Urban chemist. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, which is great. In some ways, I guess it's like, oh, everybody's artistic and creative ones. But it also becomes a bit of a bubble. And I know like in terms of music I was playing, if a hot record was out, that's what everybody is playing. And 
when I'm here, like a little bit more removed where the, let's say the, you know, like the nightlife scene isn't quite an institution, let's say, as it is over there. I do enjoy some sort of freedom, you know, from being a bit removed. And also, actually, I get to give the people what they want in my own way without as much influence from the scene, so to right, say. Yeah. yeah, so it's more organic and mm. heartfelt. Yeah, playing in Berlin is probably more like chin strokers in the audience. <laughs> um, <laughs> Judging, like, is this a new release or is it an old release? <laughs> is, that, is that more pressure, would you say? I think that's the kind of pressure like I would give myself. And even in the beginning when, you know, when I first moved back and I was still going to tour and play. Yeah, I did have that, oh, is what I'm playing cool now? I try really hard not to think about these things, but I did at least for the first few months because I thought I'm so out of touch with my peers. Of course, we have internet and stuff. You can read everything and find out all pieces of information. But then after a while, it's just like, I felt I had changed and developed. So I felt confident in me and actually the city gave me strength to develop more as an artist. Yeah. I think the mean crowd is a really, really good crowd. Yeah. I would say yeah, it's an easy for crowd. Sure. For sure. The easiest I played mm. so far. <laughs> big yeah, up the mean crowd. <laughs> yeah, big up the mean crowd. Yeah. yeah, big up the mean crowd. And, um, but then when I think about DJing, it's always thinking about what is the meaning of DJing? What is the meaning of playing other people's records? When mm. I, I am not a musician, I don't play any instruments. So why am I qualified to stand there like a star? Mm. But I think there's a few ways to look at it. The DJ is a curator, is a collector, mm. is also an entertainer. So it, it's not an easy job. Like you saw Michael and uh, Jason doing it so well. Mm. Also, I think when you're thinking about the cool thing, mm. I think there's always this cool demon that you want to be cool to mm. be a DJ. Yeah, yeah, that's why I started. Yeah. <laughs> so and you you, yeah, sure. you really want… Yeah, and the DJs tend to always want to beat match. And you have mm. to let go of those two demons. But it's not easy. It took a while. Mm. I haven't let go of those. But I try to, yeah. And the fact that you can't ever really please everyone. No, got to let go of that yeah. thought as well. Yeah. yeah. I just feel you like have... people always will have assumptions. And I guess assumptions are sometimes made based on like limited knowledge of about something. You know, like that goes with genres and DJing as well. Like, oh, that person must play electronic music. But then, hey, that person might be into like Bossa Nova as well. And that could sneak into a set. And mm, yeah, it shouldn't sure. be too surprising, right? Mm, sure. Like, Do you find that there's limitations in terms of like what you might be able to play at Min? Or is it completely a DJ and the residence creation? Well, my personal opinion, it's like, it's, I think it's really quite up to the DJ. The limitations that are there are limitations that I would impose. It's really about what kind of atmosphere you want to create. And certain genres may not fit for the atmosphere of that night that you want to do. And also, mm. which is also influenced by who's there. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So then each entropy, each Mr. Ho Resident Night or Jamie mm. Night would, would always differ very much based on how the crowd is reacting to energy, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. With that in mind, it's nice now that there's definitely a vibe and people seem to be more open compared to before. But I want to know, what about the challenges? Like, it can't always be smooth sailing, right? Like, are there any challenges in terms of playing in the Hong Kong scene that, you know, in terms of like adapting to some followers to your night, but also trying to engage with new audiences? No, we're thinking really hard of the challenges. So that's a good <laughs> thing. Maybe right? I can start. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. My musical listening background is more like in America or the UK. And I found that you can't really play too much of American style stuff here. Yeah, mm. it's tough. So you have to feed them in bit by bit. You can't just play a fully soulful set 
or something of the like um, Philadelphia international record stuff, people are probably not going to get it. They're not brought up to that kind of sound, to that kind of soulfulness. It's not good or bad. It's just a kind of communication that you have to take care of. Mm. You can't just spoon feed them. Mm-hmm. So I think they are more inclined to a European style or Japanese. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. But I really want to give them more soulful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how you've mentioned it more from a regional time frame standpoint. So it's like, all right, you know, this is retro stuff from the States, right. you know, versus like describing like a certain emotion. Oh, like I feel that a lot of times, perhaps with maybe younger listeners or younger people who come to club nights, they would just want to mosh, you know, they just want to like right. headbang, you know, and if you're not giving them that baseline or not giving them that drop, it's almost like not entertaining enough. I, I feel like that's, I feel that that's sort of my challenge yeah, sometimes yeah, I feel, yeah. with DJing with local scenes, you know? Like, yeah, 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 totally, totally. It's like, oh, this is nice. I like this piano stuff, but it's, it's kind of soft. Yeah. You know, I feel like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm making these narratives in my head, but I always feel I, like they want to go hard. I always felt that like, oh, house music is the same. Like, oh, I'm, I'm playing this cool 90s stuff. Like, you should appreciate it. But I think people know it. They know by the, the volume of the bass drum, they will know that this is like from the past. Mm. And I have to really be very careful about that. And sound aesthetics change. You know, I think about, you know, when I was like 16, 17, what I liked was vastly different to somebody, you know, like 10 plus years mm-hmm. older than me. You just have a feeling of like, oh, people just like this kind of sound aesthetic a bit more. And um, like, I think the DJ's job is to play directly that or find stuff that you think, oh, if you like this, you might like appreciate mm-hmm. this. Oh, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's at least how I Making see Making that it. connection. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, and one of the challenge that I have when I start um, Entropy, I think the music that we want to present is pretty new in Hong Kong. I understand that DJs are supposed to cater to the crowd, but then it's also okay if you really believe in your message and if you have a message and a story to tell. But that really comes with a lot of pressures when you do that, especially for me when we start out without any histories, like, you know, from ground zero. You really have to put a lot of thoughts into how you mix. And that comes into the DJing techniques, right? You have to make sure that your mix is tight and entertaining in a different way. Especially it's not an atmosphere that people are familiar with. You cannot have too many technical errors or hiccups. Because that's our first party. And if you effed up, then uh, we should go home and sleep maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, stay in bed. Stay in bed, yeah. Is, do you think that's the, the, the guidelines to becoming a DJ? Um, don't F up. If F up, stay in bed. <laughs> End of manual. Uh, at least don't keep on Fing up, right? Yeah, right like right. Yeah, F up, then move on and don't just like, you know, oh, like trains going off the tracks and you're yeah. still sitting oh. there like, oh, I'm going to try and steer back. Like, I guess, yeah. Talking to some Dutch DJs, every Dutch DJ I know is like really good. They just have a really good scene there. And mm. I was actually talking to the guys from like Pada Sound System. We were touring with them. Uh, we did a few parties in Asia. They only have six members in the Pada sound system, although a lot of people DJ as part of the crew. And I was like, well, how come they're not part of the sound system? It's like, well, you really just got to be at home and practice over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like the club is quite gray old place. That's probably different from different cities. You know, I think maybe Hong Kong might have a bit more breathing space in, in that sense. I guess like you should be able to be prepared and go out and, and make sure your set is on point. But perhaps because the scene is still a little bit new, it's sort of nurtured new DJs to come out and, and try a different sound. Yeah, it's, it's a fine balance as well. Like obviously, you know, you need to, for the people who play, at, I would say at any club, they need to maintain a certain standard. And by standard it is to deliver the message or create the atmosphere in the best possible way. But at the same time, of course, like you need to have 
newcomers come up. So I I find in Hong Kong, most places I've been, it's done quite well. The newcomers might have a certain time and a place, and then the people who are, let's say, more confident in their abilities, you know, they might hold the sort of like the bigger nights, you know. I think before uh, Min started, and I was still a DJ in, as an apprentice, and then I met this really amazing guy who run this record store called Hong Kong Secondhand a vinyl shop in Kuntong. I met this really amazing individual who uh, is not here with us today, um, Alfred. And he completely understand Alfred Learn. He completely understand the type of music that I like. I like industrial, I like techno, I like the post-punk stuff, EPM. And when I first met him, like that time I was really lonely because I was like, I had no friends who can resonate with me in terms of this taste. But I met this like 40, 50-year-old guy and he instantly know. And every time I go to his shop, he's like, I pick these guys out. And then from that point, I know there are people in Hong Kong who like what Entropy has to offer. And then I met Mr. Ho. And then we sometimes go to this uh, club in Central Kaoma to play. And, and he was really nice. He, he let me play sometimes like a few tracks when he was playing. But back then, I think Oma, the, the sound system was okay. It got a bit limited because of the sound. But I mean, there's always imperfections in every venues. But I think when I met the main guys, when I see what they're doing, the setting that you present your art is very important. And I feel like there wasn't a big following in Hong Kong in this genre or this kind of mood. It's because there wasn't a good space to fully experience what it is. I think once I found Min, they're really good sound. And so you can enjoy the harshness or the weirdness of certain instruments or sound. Obviously, right now we're talking very much about how Min is a setting for you guys to be able to sort of showcase your creativity and your musical knowledge and taste. Sometimes this goes with what the crowd's looking for. Other times you have to be a bit more specific with the direction and just go with what you feel like is important. I'm just interested in the other sort of scenes that you guys might have been part of or other sort of formative club scenes that led you to Min. That has to be 94 for me. 1994, New York, Sound Factory. That was the tempo. That was the place for me. When I play or when I do what I do, I still have this DJ and this club in my mind, which I have to say has the best sound system ever, I think, mm. yeah. In those days, New York was really cool, really, really big melting pot. In those days, New York is like Berlin, I think. Mm. Everybody was free. The space was really without much decoration. It's really, really good sound system. And the bass was just crunching in your bone. When there was loud sound, it's not hurting your ears. It's just all over your body. Like I, I mentioned about my upbringing, I was into much a lot of the US stuff. And this guy called Junior Vasquez, he mixed in a lot of invoked stuff at those days, the uh, tribal house into a lot of disco classics. Yeah, that was like uh, the holy grail for me. Yeah. So would you say that that's always sort of at the back of your mind when you're putting on a club night or DJing? It's sort of making sure that whatever you put out is up to that sort of standard of inspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will never be up to that place, but I will have this in mind, yeah. Mm. How he selects music and how he transitions the music sure. is quite different from what I heard from other DJs. Yeah. Um, for me, it, it always changes and evolves. But I think like the first time when I thought like, oh wow, I enjoy some really weird music and other people enjoy some really weird music was um, when I saw Aphex Twin when I was at university in Manchester and he played at Sankey Soap mm. and also Square Pusher. It's just like, wow, okay. 
This is really intense, yeah. but this is very good. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think the sound system was particularly amazing because I, you know, I think Sound Factory, the, the actual place is amazing as well. You know, Sankey's is, is decent. Yeah. Mm. But I, it just suddenly clicked. Oh, wow. It's not, not everything needs to be like a simple, you know, mm. enjoyable melody. Yeah. <laughs> it can just be harsh sounds and grating and it just has that kind of emotion. Yeah. And this is Sankey's in... Manchester. Manchester. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah my, my brother used to promote in Sankey's in Manchester. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. He's, uh, part of the whole warehouse project, all that. All ah, that okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sankey's is a great venue. Yeah. Mad, mad place. Yeah. Crazy stuff. I saw Simeon Mobile Disco there. Um, mm. Like, when I they were, them. yeah, they were yeah. so yeah. good. Like, this back when, like, LCD Sound System was doing their thing. And, like, yeah, it's just such a good venue. It has so many rooms and you kind of get lost. Yeah. Kind of like a mini festival, you know? Like you lose yes. your friends, you make new ones, but then it's all okay. Like you sort of just, it's sort of like a playground almost, you know? And I think yeah. that was like, actually now that I think about it, what was so great about it is just like, before that, yeah, I'd been to raves and clubs and it was always like the DJ in a big booth, you mm. know? Like standing there like Jesus or something. And then you don't even know who's there. But mm. this time it was like, you're on the same level and mm. you're, it does something to you mm. rather than, you know, when you go to a festival and then, you know, a guy pulls his hands up and fire shoots out. It's just like, what's <laughs> yeah. that about? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only reason why they sort of do that at like EDM festivals yeah. and whatnot is because, let's be honest, like the DJ is quite boring to look at. Do you know what I mean? DJ it's is just a pretty like, boring thing to look at. doing homework yeah. or he could be like, I remember watching um, Red Bone Music Academy Sound Clash and I think it was like back when Switch and Diplo were part of Major Laser and, right. and the whole chat box in Boiler Room was saying, I think Switch is checking his Facebook, you know, because <laughs> it was just like, it's true. Just like that, you know. <laughs> so, so, like, what do you do as a DJ? You sort of just press buttons, you know. I think so it's, it's important to sweat a lot. So, you look mm. like you're working really hard. Because yeah, like, it's nothing, actually, when a really sweaty DJ is like, oh, wow, he, yeah, or she is <laughs> putting an doing effort. something. <laughs> yeah. Well, you should work out and take your shirt off. That's what you should oh, do. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah true. That's yeah. what Junior do. That's why. Okay, okay. Yeah, right, right. yeah he, he worked out. We'll make sure that goes into the manual as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Sankey's and I guess for, for Jason. I think for me, um, my, like my favorite club is the club that I've seen in Tokyo. This club called Kagurane. It's called KGR. And they have the best sound system. When I was there the first time, it was run by this collective from Seoul called Constant Value. You know, I transitioned from, from way back when I was like 18. I was listening to EDM first. And then I got into house and minimal house and techno. And then when I went to Constant Value, I think completely changed my understanding of techno music because I think they have uh, incorporated some more experimental, like Michael said, like square pressure sound as opposed to the purest, the bleeping techno. They also have this kind of EBM sound, which comes from the 80s as well. Also with the way how KGR was run and designed, it was a very small club, but then you see people were really enjoying. They're really music lovers. But I think how they did it, it was a comfortable little space with like really good sound and it really goes well with the circumstances that we have in Hong Kong. Like we don't have like a space, the warehouse project in Hong Kong, but I think that having a club that has really strong identity in terms of their belief in the music and in terms of how they take care of their patrons, how they have the facilities for the, for the music lovers. And it's very important. 
KJ also reminds me of um, you know Bonobo. Bonobo, in, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Loft apartment. Yeah. Get booze off the yeah. off the vending machine and yeah. like sit down and listen to records and stuff yes. like yeah. super cozy, cozy but like well curated well as well. Well curated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Japan has grown into such an established nation for electronic music in terms of Asia. I think Hong Kong can be there. And one day we just gotta keep doing what we're doing. When I went there about eight years ago, first went there, uh, there was like two people on the dance floor. And that was a real inspiration to me because those people, those two Japanese guys were dancing like monkeys. So before that, I was like into big clubs. I have to be big anthems, packed club, Lighting, big yeah. sound system, everything. Yeah, but seeing them like really make me think, do I really have to care so much about what other people are doing? As long as I'm enjoying myself, it's really important. And it sort of just sounds like there's a balance of making sure that, you know, you do want people in the room and you do want the people in the room to be enjoying themselves. But at the same time, there needs to be some sort of um, conversation with yourself where like, I'm going to do this and whether people like it or not, it's going to happen this way, you know. It's not, not letting one go too far from the other as well. I guess, Temin, like, is there a venue for you as well that's sort of like influential to… There is, but I, I mean, I actually grew up in Ohio. So I grew mm. up with hip-hop and indie rock going to the live shows and stuff mm. like that. So yeah. similar to what Michael said, I actually grew up with watching shows where the artist is above me. Mm. And I remember I got into electronic music from music videos, mm. Aphex Twin mm. as well, like all the Chris Cunningham stuff back then. But I would say particularly, I went to Tokyo on a trip and this Japanese guy, I know he barely spoke any English. I just met him on MySpace and then took me out, brought me to this random club. I don't even know what it's called, to be mm. honest. It's that similar experience as well. I went in, the music was great. The sound system was great. There was probably only like 10 people in there. But I ended up staying the whole night mm. just because of that vibe was right. It doesn't need to be a big party. As long as the music's good and, you know, the atmosphere is nice and people are into it, then that's enough already. So I can't really pinpoint like a particular club that I would say like change my life mm. or inspired me a lot. Speaking of DJs up on stages, I remember actually going to a club night in Brighton. There was used to be this club night called Super Dub Pressure. And it was like most formative to like when Casper and Rusko released the Fabric Live CD in 2007. And there's this whole, I guess like it's been around for a few years then, but it was this whole new thing called Dubstep. And people were just like, what the fuck is this? This mm. is crazy. Like, and I always would remember this moment because I would be like, I need to tell you know, my kids in the future, that this was an idea of what fun was, which is like, you pay 10 pounds, you get a pair of earplugs, and you go to this shack. And it's like a shaking shack in Brighton. Like, it's just pretty much like by the waterfront. And it's like super, like, run down. And you're just dancing against these big speakers, which are like completely distorted. And you look at, you know, where's the DJ at? And he's actually on top of these, the sound system that they built for the event. It's ridiculous. But this was like over and over again, week in, week out. Like, going to super dub pressure and watching like, DJ unlikely play music and you're like, damn, like if aliens came down and be like, yo, this is how you have fun and be like, I guess, yeah, it's, it's like Marmite. Not, not everyone's going to be into this, but. <laughs> and it's just cool. And I just think it's cool when the DJ is taken away from the spotlight a little bit. Mm. I mean, you're going to a club, you're dancing together. It's, you're meant to interact with each other, not just look. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. true, man. Yeah. It's not like, yeah, it shouldn't be like a worship. You know I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. What, what is yeah. that? You know. The best venues are always like lights off. I think that's when we were talking about like stuff that we're worried about when we're DJing. I think that's one thing that I hate when everyone's like up in front of you, like trying to look at you. Mm. I think that's, that's yeah. something that kind of makes me… Nervous. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just don't feel like that should be the thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I like… I think men is good. Mm-hmm. There's like a certain community where they just go in and dance and enjoy. Like rather than like they want to look at something. Sure. Going back to the, the residencies and uh, the, the sound of men as, as we were talking about before. I, I know Mr. Ho runs a, a club night called The Sound of Men, right? With oh. Jeff. Um, I, I don't run it. Oh, I am just uh, happily employed. employed. My yeah, services yeah, yeah. are… It's yeah, the yeah. residence night actually. And yeah. I guess yeah. for those who haven't frequented men or is learning about it through those podcasts, what would you say is The Sound of Men? Wow. Oomph, oomph. Doof, doof. Yeah, for like <laughs> eight hours. No. <laughs> if that's a genre. I think honestly, the sound of men is… You know, one thing I'll, I'll say about all the residents is like, you know, no one is lazy. Mm. As in like, oh yeah, this is like what I'm into and I'm not going to listen to anything else and not check any new music. So I'm excited to play with all the residents because um, as far as I know, the sound of men most of the time is going to be uh, two of the residents out mm. on one night. So I'm excited to share my tracks, not only with the audience, but also with the other resident DJ. All of us, not I can, you know, honestly say, are really into, you know, like discovering new music. So it's just really whatever… A mixed bag. Not necessarily uh, on one night. It, mm. could, it could even be like, you know, maybe more techno-centric, more house-centric or whatever, or it could be a mixed bag. Yeah. But it's just um, it's just how a residency should be where the people who come, let's say the loyal club goers, mm. they just see, oh, and you know, you grow together. Mm. And um, did I answer the question? Kind of. Kind of. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Can I try to answer that? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. The sound of mean is uh, colorful, emotional, and like a roller coaster. Mm, that's uh, yeah, that's beautiful. It's definitely emotional. That's a very, mm. very good point. I think everybody is quite emotional. <laughs> I was chatting to King Kong, who's a producer in uh, Thailand, who's also the music sort of booking director at Beam Club. And one time we were having dinner, it was like it was actually like more like breakfast, but like uh, it was like four a.m. And he was like he was saying like you might not like me when you first enter the room, but you will love me after six hours. <laughs> and I, I, used always, I used to think of that as like, okay, the resident DJ does that. You know, it's, it's not about like an hour set. It's about the whole audio journey from the start to the end, you know. And yeah. some of the favorite sets I look back at is like watching Soulscape um, in Seoul do like 360 sound takeover and like play eight hours. And mm. like s- some people might find that like a bit too much from one person. But you know, if the crates are deep, um, it's often a very interesting situation. And I think for Min itself, like for a lot of people who have been going and I think you guys have mentioned, there is a sort of growing family. Like, could you talk more about what that community is like? Are there certain familiar faces? Because I do know that Min has a certain exhibition subsidiary line as well in terms of like doing art shows and whatnot Mm. and how that sometimes integrates into the club goers of Min's regular attendees as well. Yeah, so um, I see Min Club is also doing this gallery event once every two months when they have carefully curated and prepared the show to provide an alternative space for up-and-coming artists of Hong Kong to present their art. They also do it in a way to accompany the gallery experience with music from our DJs. That's very cool. And recently, I think a couple of months ago, we had a really successful exhibition with the local street graffiti artist Lousy. And ever since then, we found out that Lousy has been a frequent attendee of our nights. And the club has also given him a slot to also organize his own party and show his art and his taste in music. 
the DJs or artists that he likes and bring it to main venue. And that's also very cool. I think that's super interesting where like to be a promoter or to push events and parties, you don't have to just be a DJ. You could be an artist as well. You could work in construction or whatever. It's just like music's for everybody. I think that's a very interesting point. Going forward, how would you guys as DJs see, you know, the transformation of Min um, compared to when you guys first started playing there? Because I noticed like the club and what it stands for, it keeps changing as well. And there's more things added to it. You know, with our current situation, everything going on and also with the internet, like people tend to get bored of things really quickly. How important would you guys say it is to keep exploring and transforming? Hmm. I think it's easy to figure how many people in this city are actually into music. It's just mm. like, you know, like Jason mentioned earlier about Albert, like, you know, he, he's not really a DJ, right? He's just more a collector. And there's so many people who really like and know music. Mm. Just the other day, I played a small outdoor gig for the Goethe Institute. Mm. And I played a Holger Chukai record, like, mm. you know, from the band Can. And within like four bars of it, a lady just came out and said, is this can? And, uh, you know, like, mm. people just know music. So yeah, yeah. I think to answer your question, it's like, you just got to keep on providing what you think is, is a good music and actually realize that people love music and they want a place to hear good music. And mm. if they like this kind of music, they will come. Yeah. You would like, naturally attract that sort of synergy, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's just people who want to hear it live, I think. You know. Yeah, and being transformative, keeping an eye for what's new, what's hot. It's also important to study the heritage of where certain sound come from. What are the, the greatest of the greatest doing before and why they do it in that way. By the greatest, I don't mean the artist who has the most followers, but like the most celebrated in the music scene that all comes into mind, especially for a new and upcoming artists, including myself. Well, I think to look forward, apart from what Michael has said, it's a development together with the DJ and the crowd together. And you don't really have much idea of the way forward until you get the inspiration. On the other hand, I have to stress that we have to really look out for new artists, new DJs to give them chances to present their art. They will give me back the inspiration. I am really from the heritage side, unfortunately. Yes, I really need new stuff. <laughs> Let's talk about what you guys do in the day, because I know you have a very interesting occupation, Jimmy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I try not to mention it, but I think it's fine now. I'm a doctor. I uh, specialize in obstetrics and gynecology, which means I would deliver babies and I would treat women's problems. Naturally, people ask, ah, how you manage to do these two things? I would look at it as like uh, music and DJ is a way out for me. It's a balance. I, I get very serious when I'm working. Again, I have to keep up on all the new stuff and I have to treat my patient really well. As a doctor, you cannot afford to make mistakes. Of course, you can't make mistakes as a DJ too. But then when I'm in the nighttime, I can channel my energy of my love of music and release it so that when I'm back at work, I can like start fresh. That's how I look at it. Another thing is probably there seems to be no clash for me, for my work, because by my nature of my work, I really have to get up at night many times to do my job. The baby doesn't come during just the daytime. So many times I have to get up and I have no problems sleeping afterwards. I have no problem getting up. So I don't think there's a problem for me staying up at night to party or to DJ. It's kind of okay for me. So I hope I can strike the balance here. Yeah. Have you ever gone straight from the club to work? 
<laughs> exactly, a, a few times, yeah. Oh. A few times. <laughs> yeah. It's like stopping in the middle of DJ set and wow. went to deliver a baby. You're like Superman. <laughs> yeah, people say that, but it's like it's like a it's like a job for me. It's yeah. like yeah, just going going to uh sign a paper or something. Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's yeah. super rad. I also really interesting just what you said about the parallels, how they both echo each other and, and one gives sort of energy to another and it actually balances it out because a lot of DJs sort of, I guess, have different occupations as well, but some some just maybe sleep most of the day as well and then yeah. go to work at night. So <laughs> that's, that's really cool. And I know Mr. Ho uh, runs his own record label as well. Yeah. So would you say that's what you sort of spend most of your time doing if it wasn't for DJ Yeah, men? definitely. So mm. the label that I run with my partner, Luca Lozano. Yeah, that's my day job. It's surprisingly nine to five or literally I wake up super early. I wake up at like 7 a.m., right? And then do my thing and then I, I get to work, answer emails, order stuff, pay taxes and all that. Aside from that, I also do production for radio, you know, like production for like maybe like jingles for brands, etc. Yeah, so... Yeah, if you need my services, one eight hundred. One eight hundred. Dial a hoe. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I always think that like, especially underground artists, they are actually the real entrepreneurs. You know, they have to do everything and promote themselves, do all the booking and everything, and that's very impressive. Because I also study finance in the states, so a lot of people think that artists. Everything is it's kind of fun and you know, they're enjoying life, doing it, really cool stuff. But actually, they are also business people who do really important and really tough work, actually. Mm, for sure. I think that goes just to show how like music is for like everybody and it's not really like segregated to certain audiences or certain age groups, you know, like everyone can enjoy a good house record or whatever it might be, you know. Yeah. You know, I think in Hong Kong, people do naturally hustle and have like nine jobs yeah. or like at least two or three jobs. And, and it's, you know, I think even the people we've met at parties is, is often such a wide range. We did a series of parties in Chunking Mansions called United Airwaves. And that was a great look at how a certain sector of Hong Kong um, residents are actually the chefs, they are working class people and, you know, some are refugees and whatnot. But I think that's sort of the importance of parties because it is about the music, but it's also the community and the people that yeah. you get to meet in the smoking area or by the toilet or yeah. in the lift, you know? And I mean, like when it comes to like, you know, that thing you said about artists and musicians, it's just like, you know, it takes hard work to live the way you want to live, you mm. know, no matter what you do. And it's, yeah. uh, if you want to live in a normal society, you got to yeah. do the regular stuff. It's not just, yeah, yeah party things as well. And it's true. Yeah. I find that a lot of DJs do do their own nights. Some do their own flyers. Others have their own radio shows. And with that, you're really talking about four or five different sectors within the music industry. Yeah. You're DJing, but you're also a promoter. You're also booking because yeah. you're throwing nights for other people, you know, like whatnot. So. Yeah. What would you guys say is the most important sense of the community at Min, maybe? Do you guys interact with people who come to your nights or… Not really. No, I stay away from them. They're, they're, they're all crazy. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Please don't talk to me, man. No. <laughs> like I said earlier, we're all freaks. So, would, yeah. would, you, would you say you guys, like your night is your favorite or other club nights that you go to, you really prefer? Like, because I know there's quite a wide range of, it's a mm. big menu at Min, you know what I mean? It's, for all the good apples and the rotten ones. I definitely go to all the different nights they have at Min. I've been, and I, I think, yeah, I like to go and support and check it out. And 
I, I want to hear stuff that I don't know. Right, yeah. I can't go to my own night, but yeah. I wouldn't go to my own night. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you're not even writing your own night. You're going to promote your own night. You're like, <laughs> if, hey, if I was me, I wouldn't go to my own night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, you that's want to see yourself line. on the yeah. dance yeah. floor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, look yeah. at you yeah. DJ. Yeah. The DJ won't come to his own night, but, yeah. <laughs> but you should come. Yeah. You should come. The DJ should yeah. come. For sure. I think, um, you know, a big part of this podcast, as, as we mentioned in previous episodes, is talk about living curiously mm. and staying connected and I think men's resident club nights do that in a big way because like you said you want to go to club events where you're learning about new music you're mm. learning about new stories and meeting new people yeah. so curiosity is definitely that mm. part of that and then staying connected as well because I think given the certain circumstances we're not able to travel so again we're staying connected in yeah. many ways with that said I was wondering if you guys had any final words or any sort of uh, shout outs or you know how's the rest of the year looking is it good? Is it bad? Is it? Are, are we? Are we? Are we going anywhere? Are we not going anywhere? Oh, what you want me to predict? Like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it all rests on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you bear the future. I'm prepared not to be traveling at least for a little bit. You, you've been enjoying the downtime, or I've just been in studio a lot, making a lot of music, uh, working on um, my label, Classorex. Most consistent Bandcamp Friday, though. I get those emails. Yeah, you know thank I mean? you. Like, <laughs> Merch drops, EPs, you know? Like, yeah, we, I, I always get that and I go, shit, I forgot there's Bandcamp Friday. And I, and I go check Bandcamp and it's like, there's two minutes left. And I'm like, oh, can I have an EP in two minutes? Like, <laughs> All the people who do the Bandcamp Friday yeah. on Sunday, they post new releases. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, that's it. Uh, Luke and I, we, we care a lot about the label. So mm. yeah, Classorex is like a new drop every two weeks. And I'm enjoying making music and I'm, I'm enjoying DJing. And I, I haven't even really thought about traveling. I mean, I'm, I mean Singapore is open. <laughs> That's not oh, yeah. a prediction at all. Do we want to go to That's Singapore? a fact. Yeah. Do, do we? All of us. Oh, like we right can. now. <laughs> yeah, go on then. Yeah. I kind of been staying in Hong Kong for so long that I don't actually miss traveling now. Yeah. I don't really think about that. Because mm. it was a lot of stress for me this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah in sure. a lot of ways. Yeah. And I still felt like it's the beginning of 2020. It's like a nightmare that hasn't ended, hasn't woken up. So I, I really can't say what the future is looking mm. like. But the uh, good thing is um, my workload has been getting much better. Yeah, That's a relief for me. So I can enjoy myself better. That's a blessing for sure. I think the Stay Connected thing, it's kind of ironic this year. Like you guys said, this is the longest I've been in Hong Kong ever. Like without traveling, I mean. And I think it's good to have a space like Min where I could actually stay connected with people because… I just live down the street, so I just walk down and then, oh, there's a crowd of people that I'm familiar with. Mm. And I it's think… It's like a local bar, right? That's what you want. Yeah, you know, to serve. Like yeah. You go somewhere… I always think like, you always want to have a place where you can go by yourself. Exactly. Mm. And I just literally I walk down. Plans, right? Yeah, so exactly. Because like, I'll, I'll probably flake. I'm actually meant to be somewhere right now. So, it's <laughs> kind of ironic. <laughs> on, on that note… On can that we, note, can we drop this episode next no, week no, just no, so he, he could… could <laughs> put it on speaker. But I feel like it's super important, whether it's a pub or like a live house or like a kebab shop or, you know, min club, you know, you need… Yeah. I think every community needs a place where you can be like, hey, you know what, I'm going to go and, and see someone I know and have a bit of banter. And I, yeah. I think that's why… I think on the good side of things, 2020 has been good. You know, I've been definitely more connected with the local crowd. Mm, for, sure, for sure, for sure. I'm sure we all do. Mm. You know, local yeah, friends, yeah. local… Just people that you see at the club. Yeah. And, and it's actually like really… Like important to do that because there's actually so much cool stuff happening in Hong Kong. Exactly. That yeah. you often like sort of 
not turn a blind eye, but you maybe live too much of a hectic schedule to even like yeah, have time to yeah, you know, look yeah. at that. Imagine like the past few years, we definitely don't look into the cool side of Hong Kong as much as we do this year. So 100%. We definitely appreciate mm. a lot more things. We love you, Hong Kong. Shout out Hong Kong. New territories. Shout in, shout out. Lama Yun too. Long, I Lama. see you. Yeah. Photon. Yeah. All the photos. <laughs> yeah. Photon. Exactly. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thank nice you. Thanks Thank for you. Us. Thanks. Wow, that was a crazy conversation. Definitely learned a lot from the guys about nightlife and the various sectors they've worked in throughout the years. It's been a pretty wild year. Lots of ups and downs. A lot of clubs have been forced to close. But all I can say is I'm glad the Min has stuck through the thick and thin because for me personally, I've learned a lot about the different creative communities in Hong Kong and it's expanded my horizon within the musical landscape. Clubs, promoters and DJs all go hand in hand in driving the city's culture. Whether it's connecting the like-minded individuals or inspiring the curious minds who want to explore something new, it's certainly very important to have a progressive underground club like Min in our city. Thank you for listening and until next time. <laughs>